Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Good morning. What are you laughing at? I'd have fell off the stage and broke my neck. You'd have laughed at me. Sure you would have. I would have laughed too. Y'all good? Feeling good? Pumped up? Ready to go? Thank you. Uh, I want to say thank you, especially to our staff for last week. Last week was awesome. I had absolutely no idea about last week. I didn't, uh, of course, I knew the 25th anniversary. That was something I knew, but I didn't have anything to do with the planning of the service. In fact, um, you probably noticed I didn't speak. I didn't say a word. Uh, That was per my request. I know it's hard to believe I cried a lot. I don't know how that happened. I rarely ever cry, so I was, I was shocked. Okay, for those of you that don't know me, that's a lie. Um, everybody knew. I, was, I even got a text. I bet you cried. <laughs> yeah, I did. A lot. So, uh, I, I, you know, I knew that that would probably happen. And honestly, I'm just really not comfortable in those situations. I, I don't know how to, I don't, I don't know what to do with myself. I, I've always, I stand up here, I don't know what to do with my hands. I go, and so it's, it's kind of awkward for me, and so the staff made it as easy for me as they possibly could. I know it's important that we celebrate um, days like that. And so to say thank you to them is just not enough. They were amazing. I know it literally months of planning to make that happen, and they make it look so easy. I said to Karen at some time in the service, actually in the very beginning of the service, uh, when Brian and Jonathan were up here, I said, you know, nobody knows how well that's planned. Literally, they, they know how much time to take, they Playing off, I mean, they've worked on this so hard, and I know that how much time went into it, and they made it look so easy. And so, uh, I just want to say thank you to them, and I know you want to do that as well, right? Come on, if you're gonna do it now, let's do it! Woo hoo! Awesome. <clears throat> also, uh, I want to I want to share this with you because I don't know if you realize this or not. Um, We've been in this campaign, uh, you know, trying to raise some money, trying to take care of some things. And so I, I believe that God spoke to me in Guatemala, uh, you know, and said, here's what I want you to do. And, and I, one of those was had to pay off the debt, and then it was to build a building, and then we came back. And so just so you know, I don't just like, you know, <laughs> ride off and say, here's what we're supposed to do. I, I meet with people. I, I get godly counsel. I gathered elders, a management team, all those people around me and praying and staff and say, okay, how does this, what does this look like? And so... Then we really developed, there was three things that God, we know we need to do and that God said, and that was we had to do next door. We had to make sure that we renovated the building next door. <clears throat> you heard me say this as we were talking about the campaign. I did the tile work in those bathrooms over there. Hello, are y'all out there? It was my first time. It was my last time. I tried to lay tile after that. Nobody would let me. I don't understand why. I thought it was awesome, but apparently, you know, I didn't do the work. I don't have the work of a skilled uh, person and so they don't let me do that anymore and so it was time to renovate and so we did and we paid for it it was all paid for cash we paid for it because of your generous gifts now you know what what you may not be aware of is you probably looked at a few minutes ago and you said wow we're a long way from where we need to be you know nearly 350,000 
Well, of that three hundred and forty-four, whatever thousand, forty-five thousand dollars that's been pledged, what you need to know is almost two hundred thousand dollars of that. We're a year, a year into a three-year pledge, and we've all, almost taken in two hundred thousand dollars of that money already. <clears throat> that's pretty sweet. It gets better. It gets better. What you may not know, because of uh, matching contributions, we're about $200,000 away from being able to pay off the debt. <clears throat> I thought I'd bring that up because I'm sure somebody out there is just itching to write that check. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and so you know, like your first time, you're thinking, man, I go to church, all they talk about is money. L let me tell you why we want to pay off debt. It's something because we want to do great things for us. And we want to build a building, but we'll do that debt free. Uh, it'd be stupid for us to work, 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 work to get out of debt just to go back in debt, right? That'd be kind of be kind of stupid. So we don't want to do that. We want to do it debt free. And how are we, how are we going to do that? It's going to take a miracle. You're right. I said it in the very beginning. <clears throat> it's funny because I don't think people really knew what that meant. You didn't know how broke we really are? <laughs> Except now you're kind of like, woo, we're really broke. Yes, but that's awesome because God's going to show up and do some incredible things. But if you're here and you're like your first time you're going, because I know how unchurched folks are. I, I mean, that's all we do is, is reach out to folks that are really kind of irritated at church and kind of irritated at God and really not sure about the whole thing. And especially about God's love. And you think, ah, you're talking about money. But here's the deal. What we want to do is pay off a debt so we can give money away. That's, that's a dream. Of, that's my dream. And you know what? You're not going to find, I don't know that you'll, I've never heard of this in my whole life and I'm old. I've never heard of a church that tried to get, you know, debt free and just really, and, and the whole thing is just so we can give money away so that we can have a bigger impact in our community so that we can do more things than we've ever done uh, to, to, to meet the needs of people in this community. Are you with me? Now, one of my dreams has been, you know, if something happened and we were ready to fold financially, is that we had made such an impact in the community with things that we had done. If the community would rally around us and say, man, we need you here. Our families need you here. These are the things that you've done for us, and so we need you. And so I just want you to know, we're, really, we're only a couple hundred thousand dollars away, and, and we'll be able to pay off this debt and be done with that and move on to bigger and better things, okay? So... Help me pray about that. I've already shared that with, uh, with our elders this week. I met with our elders, and I said, man, I, guys, I don't know if you realize this, but we're, this, we're that close to being able to pay off that debt. So let's just get it done, and uh, let's pray hard and watch God work. And we'll see God work miracles. That'll be a miracle that we've done anything at all is a miracle. And so uh, God's good. And all the time, God's sweet. All right, let's jump into the message. You ready? So how many of you have ever thought and probably you've said it out loud, I don't want to adult today. Hello, come on, get your hands up. That's what I'm talking about. How many, how many of you that are adults, you were thinking to yourself, I had no idea how good I had it as a kid, right? But when you're as a kid, you know, all you want to do is grow up, right? That's all you can think about. I just want to grow up. And so I don't remember what those magical ages were for me, but I remember, you know, 10 or 12. I remember 12, 13. I remember all I could think about was what it was going to be like to have my license. I could leave the house. My mama didn't know where I was going. You know, kinds of things, mischievous things that I was thinking. I was thinking, wow, man, I want to be on my own behind the wheel, you know. And then I remember, you know, you, so, you know, you turn 15, you get your permit. I don't even know how that thing works anymore. You get your permit at 15, and you have to wait a year, and then you get your license, and then you're free. You're free. 
to travel the world. It's awesome. And then, and then I remember, you know, at 16 thinking, man, I can't wait till I graduate. Hello, how about y'all? I, I'm sick and tired of people telling me what to do. Like it changes. <laughs> but you don't know you're a kid, right? And so you dream of that day, what it's going to be like. I just want to get out in the real world. I can be my, my own man. I can do what I want to do. Nobody tells me what to do. And then you get a job. And that's all people do is tell you what to do, right? And so being an adult is it's not easy. It's, in, it's incredibly difficult. You know, you grow up and you grow out. <laughs> up and out. And, and you get older and you realize that being an adult is not easy. The demands of balancing bills and budgets and schedules can sometimes bring us to a place where we say, you know what, I don't want to adult today. But that's not an option, is it? It's not an option. So what do you do? Maybe the better question is this. I think this is a better question. How do you know when you've reached adulthood? <laughs> Karen would probably say, I have not yet. I'm working on it. So let me ask you this question. Does uh, having to adult, adult responsibilities like paying bills and taking care of children make you an adult? Come on. Does it make you an adult? Is it an age? So is it 18? You're 18, I'm an adult. I mean, on your 18th birthday, you, you become an adult on that day. Maybe it's 21. Is it 21? So when you become 21, is, is it a magical age? Way back, in, uh, way back in the day, Hebrew culture, that age was like 12 years old. And if you're the parent of a 12-year-old, you're thinking, I don't think so, Skippy. <laughs> Not my 12-year-old. Listen, I know parents who have kids in their 60s that would say, it ain't got nothing to do with age. My 60-year-old son, my 60-year-old daughter is still as childish today as they ever were. So what's the marker? How do you know when you've reached adulthood? If it's not responsibilities, if that doesn't make you an adult, if it's not an age, what is it? Honestly, it's a tougher question to answer than I thought when I started this whole message. I thought, well, this would be pretty easy. But everybody seems to have an opinion. Just search the internet. Everybody seems to have an opinion about what being an adult is. In fact, adulting is a popular hashtag on social media. Or so I hear. Because I don't have anything to do with social media. So that's what I hear from the really cool kids that do social media stuff. And they say it's mostly for people making fun of themselves as they struggle to adjust to being responsible adults who do responsible adult things. So what is it? According to the internet, it's a verb. Does that help you? Adulting, it's, it's a verb. According to the internet, it's, made, it's a made-up word largely and legitimately, I don't know what that means, largely and legitimately adopted into the millennial vernacular. What does it mean? How do you know when you've actually reached adulthood? How do you know? Okay, we're in church. It's Sunday morning. Let me ask you this question. How do you know when you're a mature follower of Jesus? How do you know when you're a mature Christian? How do you know? Well, that's a great question, isn't it? That'll mess with you just a little bit. I mean, I grew up in church, and honestly, I kind of grew up in church when, when, when you were doing adult Christian things, and you were being responsible, which means you go to church every week, right? 
not just every week. You got to go to Sunday school, Sunday, you know, 10 o'clock, and you go to worship. And then you got to come back on Sunday night for church training. I, don't, I didn't know anybody went to church training. I mean, church training, like, uh, uh, you know, like, who wants to do that? It sounds like an aerobic program or something. I mean, like, who wants to do training? And so nobody, nobody wanted to go. And then fewer people went to the Sunday night service, but the people that really loved Jesus went to Wednesday night. Five of us, but boy, you know, and I only went because I was paid. Hello, y'all with me? And then, and then, so, you know, that was part of, that's what it meant to be a responsible, mature Christian is you go to church all the time. Or, or you know, if you are a really mature follower of Jesus, you know tons of Scripture. Like, you know all about the Bible. You're like the Bible man. You know, the Bible answer man. So anybody, time, anybody has a question about the Bible, they come to you. And you know what I learned after pastoring just a few years? I learned that the meanest people in the church were people who literally came every Sunday and knew all the Bible. There have been people I literally have looked at and said, you know, you can, you've been here for a long time. You can take some time off. A sabbatical would be awesome. Like, you can go until I go. <laughs> you know, I, some of the meanest people. So what is it? How do you know? How do you know if you've entered into adulthood? How do you know, even as a Christian, if you're a mature follower of Jesus? I think the Apostle Paul nails that answer. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, when I was a child... I talk like a child. Hmm. I, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, when I became a mature follower of Jesus, I put away the, I put away the, the things of my childhood. I put those things behind me. So in the context of this chapter, by the way, if you're like brand new to church and we reach tons of you that are going like, what? I don't know, 1 Corinthians 13, what is that? Well, it's known as a love chapter. And so really the Apostle Paul takes this one chapter in this book that's called 1 Corinthians and he like dropped, you know, historians believe that maybe he wrote this later and then inserted this later like in the middle somewhere. And he talks about the power of love. And so here's what he's saying. In the context of this, he's saying, adulting is learning how to love well. What do you think? I was looking for something. <laughs> Amen. Adulting is learning how to love well. How do I know if I'm a mature follower of Jesus? And for those of you that are not followers of Jesus, here's the thing. Here's the thing I think that you'll, that you'll get this morning. You don't have to, you know what, even if you weren't a follower of Jesus, you can understand the principle that loving really changes everything. Loving well really changes everything. But then I think the next question is, how do I know if I'm loving well? Like, what if I think I'm loving well, but the people that I'm loving don't think I'm loving well, you know? So how do, how do I know if I'm really loving well? Somewhere in the preparation of this message, um, and this literally has been months ago, I found this quote. It's awesome. And I really don't even know how I stumbled onto it. I was on the Internet. Who knows? And, I, and I, I, there was a guy, uh, Franklin Jensen, I think, that maybe even wrote a book and had something, this quote had something to do with it, maybe even launched, it was used as a launching pad for the book. But here's the quote. 
love like you've never been hurt. Somebody needs to write that down. That's awesome. Love like you've never been hurt. It's a quote from a, a man by the name of Leroy Satchel Page. Anybody, any baseball fans in the house that have heard of Leroy Satchel Page? Yeah, awesome. Here's a, here's a guy who began his uh, professional baseball career in the Negro Leagues in the 1920s. He literally played in a time where he was the only black man on the field. Now, there's no way that we can wrap our brains around that. You can't wrap your brain around that if you're, if you're white. You, you, you can't possibly do that. I don't know that even if you're black, you can completely grasp that in the 1920s. One story that's verified um, is the story of one team who, in an attempt to humiliate him, lined up their four best batters to face him. And they said, we're just going to annihilate you. We're going we're, we're to make, you know, meat out of you, man. We're going we're gonna to laugh at you. And so here's what he did before he even threw the first pitch. He turned to his outfield. He looked at all the outfielders, and he said, I want you guys to go to the dugout. He said, what? Now, who's intimidating who? You know what I'm saying? He said, yeah, you guys go to the dugout. Then he, then he turned to the guy on first base. He said, I want you to sit down on first base. He looked at the guy on second base and said, I want you to sit down on second base. I don't know what he told the shortstop. He said, just sit down. I don't know. And then he looked at the guy on third base. He said, I want you to sit down on the third base. Just sit down. Nobody's in the outfield. All the infielders are seated, and he strikes out every batter. It's awesome. It's an incredible story. I even read that he pitched three innings when he was 60 years old for Kansas City. What a guy, man. What a, what a guy. is! He's amazing. Amazing athlete. But more than that, he's an amazing person. <clears throat> he's given credit for several really famous quotes that I bet you've heard. One of them is, work like you don't need the money. Dance like nobody's watching. He said, Leroy said that? Yeah. Here's another quote, and if you're old, you'll like me, you'll really, really like this one. He said, age is a, is a question of mind over matter. If you don't mind, it don't matter. That's good, isn't it? But my favorite quote is something that he said after he was attacked and slurred racially by people screaming at him from the stands. And they screamed at him. And they hollered at him. And then they said, how do you feel about that? And then this man, who was a man, looked at those people, as angry as they were. And he said, you have to love like you've never been hurt. Wow. That's awesome. So adulting well is learning how to love like you've never been hurt. It's maturity at its highest level. Because here's the truth. Sooner or later, you're going to be hurt. You're going to be wounded by broken people. Some people get up every morning, brush their teeth, sharpen their tongue, just so they can cut you with their words. Write that down. And, and I doubt there's anybody in here this morning, regardless of your age, that hasn't been hurt or wounded by the words of another person. Intentional words, people that are out to get you. We live in a broken world. 
<clears throat> and I'm sad to say that church is not a whole lot better. We don't have a reputation for being a whole lot better. Karen and I were in a meeting yesterday. It's amazing to me. We were in a meeting yesterday, and it was really good. It, was, it, was a, it wasn't a Christian kind of meeting, and so we were in this, this meeting yesterday, and I watched these people acting like idiots, and it did me the world of good. I told Karen what I was over with. I said, man, thank the Lord. I said, you know, all people act like this. It's not just church people. It's all people act like this. All people act like idiots. Hello, don't you feel better now about yourself? So you're going to be talked about, you're going to be talked at. And if you're ever going to mature, if you're going to adult well, then you're going to have to learn how to love like you've never been hurt. And the only way that I know that you can love like you've never been hurt is to learn how to forgive. You've got to learn how to forgive and put the rest in God's hands. It's, it's the only thing that you can do. And can I just say that forgiveness is a better topic for a message than it is to practice in your adult life? And just so you know, it, it's been something I've had to learn how to do over the years. I, I was raised in church where I was taught that forgiveness was, was an emotion. Come on, y'all with me? Anybody else go to that church? And, and it's not, I don't know if it's anything they said. It's just how I took, I guess, what they said. But somehow I thought, well, you know, you got to forgive. So it's just a feeling. You forgive. And I thought, I, I can't get there. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else in the house, you'd be, I just can't quite get there. I don't. Jesus loves you. I'm sorry, not me. <laughs> Jesus will save you. I would wring your neck right now if I got a half a chance. I mean, you want to feel it, but you just don't feel it, right? It's difficult. It's hard. If I'm going to adult well, if I'm going to mature spiritually, then here's the thing. I'm going to have to deal with my junk. I got to take hold of what I can control, and I got to let go of what's out of my control. Forgiveness, I thought about this. Take a selfish step. Well, who, who am we kidding? You're already there, right? Most of us, if we're just gut level honest, I know it's church, I know y'all love Jesus, but for those of you that would just be gut level honest, you would say, you know what? I gotta be honest. I'm a little selfish. Sometimes I struggle with being selfish. Anybody else beside me, raise your hand. The rest of y'all liars, I'm just saying. And there'll be no liars in heaven. So let's do this again. How many? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But here's the thing, forgiveness is not for them. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness is for your freedom. Ephesians 4 says this, be kind and compassionate to one another. Let's just stop right there. Could you imagine how the, the culture in this country would change if we could just do that? We think it's about politics. People are scared to death of the election. I think, do I care? Of course I do. But do you think that my future is going to rest in the hands of a politician? Lord have mercy, I hope not. Have y'all watched those people on TV? I think, and they make fun of preachers. Could you, could you imagine, what if we just got this part right? Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. And then how about this verse? You're not going to like this verse. I had a great conversation after the first service with a guy about this verse. This, this won't mess with you. You have to do some studying and digging, really, to understand this verse. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. So that your, heavenly, your, your Father in heaven 
may forgive you of your sins. So the bottom line, no way around it, we should forgive because the Bible tells us to forgive. Right? Dang it. Now, y'all go forgive people because the Bible said so. Here's the thing. I, I know my people. And the thing, the thing I love about y'all is y'all are a little sassy. I mean, I'm just, let's just be honest. Our people are a little sassy. You know what? Some of you weren't raised in church. You don't have this background. And so you would, you would kind of stand up and go, that ain't enough for me just because the Bible said so. So let me give you two reasons that I think will make all the difference in the world. Here's the first one. Why should I forgive? Because unforgiveness hurts me. Now, that's my point. I can show you my notes, big, bold. And then this morning, I wrote out to the side because I missed something. Because unforgiveness hurts me and it hurts the people that I love. Hello. It also hurts the people that I love. The thing about unforgiveness is it, it oozes out of me in this bitterness and this nastiness that I feel. It oozes out of me and then it spills onto the people that are around me. Hello, y'all know what I'm talking about? You know families like that, right? I mean, the family walks in a room and it's like somebody cut the lights out. You go, oh, boy, here comes depression right here, you know? And you know that they're going to fuss and gripe about everything. They're nothing is going to please them. You know what I'm talking about? Who are we kidding? There are churches that literally, you, you know what I'm talking about, churches that have that same reputation of being vile and negative and bitter. Because maybe it started with the person, but then it spilled out onto other people. Hebrews 12 says it like this. Look out e uh, after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root, um, root of bitterness grows up to trouble who? Yeah. And then it says corrupting many. So this unforgiveness thing is something that you do for yourself. If you love your family, you know what you want to do? You want to deal with that because, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to flow out of you. It's going to spill onto them, and then they're going to spill that nasty venom on somebody else. The one thing that will get you in trouble at this church quicker than anything that I know of, our staff will tell you, I'll fire you quicker than anything. There's a lot of things that we put up with. There's a lot of things we have put up with. But I won't deal with negativity. I won't deal with unforgiveness. I won't deal with, I won't deal with venom. It'll destroy everything in its wake. It'll take down a church. It'll take down a family. The thing of it is, is that even companies over the last few years have grabbed hold of this principle. They don't know that it's a biblical principle, but here's what they know, is that we want to create a culture here at, and they name their company, right? And so then there's this culture that they're trying to create where, where people love each other, they help each other. Now there's this, there's this culture being created where companies are actually reaching out into their community, right? Because it matters. It's a biblical principle and they don't even know it. It'll trouble you. But could it be? Could it be that you're living with this poisonous root of bitterness and you don't even know it because you've just learned to function with a grudge? We're a CR church. I've never been around the bush about that. We've always been. We didn't know about CR when we started, but really we, we could have started with that whole principle because we understand that we're all broken. 
So we know a lot about addiction. And so we're like functioning alcoholics. We don't think there's a problem because we can hold down a job. We're functioning. Are you with me? I can still hold down a job. I, I still have my family. My wife, my marriage is still intact. My kids are still good. I hadn't killed anybody yet. So do you have a problem? No. I'm good. Now, that, that guy over there, he has a problem. He's lost everything he's got. He lost his job. He's lost his family because he lost his job. He's lost his house. He's lost his car. He's lost everything he's got. Now, that's an alcoholic over there because he's, he's a skid row bum. I mean, he's in the, he's in the, in the gutter. You, you know? But not me because I'm still, I'm still functioning. And there are people that are in church that say, you know what, that applies to everybody else, but it doesn't apply to me because I'm functioning with a grudge. And I don't even know it. So how do you know? How do you know, how do you, how do you know if, if you're living with this poisonous root of bitterness? I'm glad you asked. Let's go back to the love chapter. What do you say? So here's what Paul would say. Here's what he did say. He said, love, and just so you know, this is not just any kind of love. The kind of love that ta Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 13, there's, there's several Greek words. Greek's the original language of the New Testament, and there's several Greek words that are used for, for love. And this particular word that he uses, other places it's brotherly love, it's, it's kindly affection, it's romantic love. God created romantic love. Come on, what's wrong with y'all? Yay, God, I'm just saying, it's good stuff. This particular word, it's a, it's a word that's used for unconditional love. This ain't no mammy-pammy love right here. So here's what he says. He says, love, this perfect love, this, this love that only really God knows. He said, it keeps no record of wrongs. So if I'm loving well, I don't keep a record of wrong. Have you ever been, like, have you ever offended somebody and you knew that you offended somebody and you hurt somebody really, really bad? And so you went to that person finally, you know, you sucked it up, it was tough. You went to that person, you apologized, and there was this long discussion, and maybe you were Baptist, and so you hugged. <laughs> it was back before Corona. And so you hugged, <sighs> breathed all over each other, you know, and uh, got baptized in, in, in Peppermint, I don't know, whatever. And so, you know, if you hugged and you got, but here's the thing. And they say, I forgive you. And you say, I don't even deserve your forgiveness. They say, oh, I forgive you. They look so godly. And then all of a sudden, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, a year later, maybe two years later, you did something else. And then that, you know, that person, and they bring up something from a year or two or maybe 20 years ago. They never let it go. See, bitterness keeps very, a very good record of every, every detail of every wrong that's ever been committed. But love keeps no record. If you can remember a hurt that happened to you 20 years ago better than you can remember what you had for lunch yesterday, you might be struggling with unforgiveness. I love this quote. I've been using it literally for years. Anne Lamont she said this, she said, unforgiveness is like drinking rat poison, hoping it kills the other person. That's good right there. That'll set you free, won't it? I don't know who Ann Lamont is, but I love that quote. So the first reason I've got I to deal with this is because it's going to destroy me. There's a second reason. It 
It's simple. And, and for those of you that don't know Jesus, you don't get this yet. I, you're not quite there yet. But for those of us that are followers of Jesus, th- this, is, this is like the thing for us. I, I have to forgive because I've been forgiven. And I know how much I've been forgiven for. Matthew 18, Jesus tells a parable, for those of you that are brand new to the whole Bible thing. A parable is is a made-up story. And so Jesus often uses these stories, and he uses hyperbole. He, He exaggerates points. And so in Matthew 18, he's telling one of these exaggerated stories about a master who had a servant who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, according to all the commentaries, 10,000 talents would have been just over, just over $2 billion. So y'all did the same thing. So Jesus is telling a story, and he tells a story, and as soon as he said that, everybody in the crowd would have went, well, one thing for sure, he'll never be able to pay that back. And the thing that occurred to me as, as I was, you know, studying this, going back over this, this week, I thought, how, much, how many stupid decisions did you make to go $2 billion in debt? Some of y'all drove yours to church today, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Aren't you glad you came today? And you're thinking, yeah, you're thinking, I got a few thousand, man, $2 billion. And so I'm thinking to myself, then this guy has made one mistake after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other, and now he owes a debt that is so big, there's no way that he'll possibly be able to pay it. So in Jesus' story, he says, this this servant goes to his master and says, he begs, will you please forgive me? And the master says, you know what? You owe me so much money, you'll never be able to pay it back anyway. You're forgiven. Wow. Cool story, isn't it? Then the servant goes back to his little village, and uh, there's a guy in his little village that literally owes him like 10 bucks. Y'all got that in your head? Two billion dollars he owed, <clears throat> and his master forgave him. And then, and then, and then you've got this guy who, who's owed like $10. So the guy that owed $10, I'm just, you know, in my mind, it's a made-up story. I'm just thinking to myself, maybe, so maybe like he heard what happened. He said, man, I'm in. You know, I know I'm going to be forgiven because he was forgiven $2 billion. I know I'm going to be forgiven. I just owe the guy 10 bucks. And so he goes to him and he says, look, I owe you $10. Could you please forgive me? The $10 I owe you, and you already know where I'm going with the story. The guy says, no way. I want my $10. So the master found out about this unforgiveness of the servant, and here's what the Bible says happened. Matthew 18, then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servants as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay it all back. And we know that the thing of it is, he was never going to pay it back. This was a death sentence. Then Jesus says, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I thought about this. I guess the only way this really makes sense is if you're aware of your own sin. I mean, like, fully aware of your own sin. 
And can I just be honest with you? I, I, I try to be honest with you, and I have been over the, over the years. One, one of the things that's tripped me up the most has been my own sin. In fact, in, in a kind of, almost an arrogant way, I have, I have been convinced that my sin was so great that even God's love wouldn't be enough. And so I struggle with the love of God. But could God possibly love me enough? I mean, I should know better. And you think, well, you're a pastor. I go, you know what? I am a pastor, and I know the word, and I should do better, but I don't always do what I should do. And sometimes I do the very thing I know is wrong. I mean, I, I'm a mess sometimes. And so the thing that helps me to forgive others? How in the world can I not forgive you? When I have been forgiven of all my stupidity, of all my sin. I love this passage out of Colossians. Colossians 3, it says, and just so you know that first word, it did trip me up. It tripped me up for, for weeks. It says, bear with, bear, bear with. I, so I looked up that word. What, is, what does that mean? That's like a big old hairy Bible word. What, is it, what does it mean? It means to endure, to forbear, to be patient. And then here's the word that really got me. It means to suffer with. Notice what he says. Bear with, endure, forbear, be patient, suffer with each other. And forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. In other words, it's not easy. It's messy. For forgiveness is hard work. There, are people, there literally are people that were in the first service. I'm sure there's people in the second service that we hurt each other. We hurt each other deeply. And one of the things that we learned that we had to do was that we had to, we had to be patient with. We had to, to forbear. We had to... We had to, to struggle with, we had to suffer with each other. To wrestle with, to not give up on. To restore those relationships to the beautiful place that they are now. And honestly, if I'm just honest with you, I don't know if those relationships would be as sweet to me if we hadn't gone through all the junk that we went through. He says, verse 14, and over all these virtues, <laughs> wow, put on love. So now we're back to love. We circle back around to love, right? Which binds them all together in perfect unity. Put on love. Wow. So I'm a mature, I'm, I'm mature as a follower of Jesus when I can put on, walk in this amazing love, the same kind of love that Jesus has for me. So, uh, it's going to feel kind of like really weird right now, like I'm going to take this really weird turn, but just bear with me. Because we do what we do, and we've been doing it for the number of years that we have, my guess is, is that someone right now sitting right here, or you're watching online, you're in an abusive situation. And here's what's tough. You come to church on a day like today, and, and, and let's say you're, you're, you're a battered wife. And, and you hear this, and you think, man, and my husband, every, every time I take a beating, every single time I take a beating, you know what? He says he's sorry every time. And, and maybe he's had a little bit of church in his background. I don't know. And if, and if you've had any religious people like that, man, they know when to pull the Jesus card, right? That's what I call it. Well, you got to love me. Well, you've got to forgive me, right? Who are you? Who are you not to forgive me? Is Jesus has forgive you. Who in the world are you not to forgive me? Listen to me carefully. 
Here's what I'm going to tell you. If you're in an abusive situation, don't go home. Don't go home today. Did you hear me? Over the years, believe it or not, literally this has happened. I'm telling you to get out of that abusive situation. God gets no glory for you getting the snot beat out of you every day. Please hear me. Do you still have to learn how to forgive? Yes. But do it from a distance. If there's anything I learned, one of the first lessons I learned about being in the ministry was there's some people I have to learn how to love from a distance. It doesn't sound right, does it? It sounds weird. Get out of that abusive situation. Do it as fast as you can. I said this in the first service. I said, we got some big old boys here that are barely saved, and for $50, they'll do about anything their pastor tells them to. One of those big old boys came up to me after the first service. He said, you don't have to give me $50. (laughs) So if you're broke, I got one guy, I'll do it for free. And I say that, and, you know, we all laugh, but it's not funny if you're in that situation. what I want you to know is we, we're willing to get in the mess with you. It's messy. Loving people's messy. Reaching people is messy. You get, you get it all over you. And it's messy and, and most of us can say I've been in that mess. I've walked in that same mess. Let us help you. Let me talk to you, some of you right now that are committed Christians. And I mean that sincerely. You're a disciple. You're a follower of Jesus. You really are. And, and you're, you're trying to the best of your... I'm not talking insincere people. I'm talking very sincere people. But this morning, this message has been a little difficult for you. And you've thought, man, I'm trying to forgive, but it's so hard. Maybe you've even thought this morning, you know what? I thought I had let that go, but it's been brought back up to forefront of my mind again and I have it if that's you I just want to pray for you and I know you know at church and, you know, I'm supposed to tell you to bow your head and close your eyes and all that kind of good stuff but the thing of it is is I, what I want you to know if you're here for the first time if, if you're like unchurched and you're trying to figure this whole thing out I want you to know that for us we just feel like we're all a family and we're in this together and, and we just recognize here at this church that we're all screwed up just on different levels different places, different times. So right now, with everybody looking around, if you would just say, you know what, I doggone it, I'm trying to do the Jesus thing, but I'm struggling with forgiveness. I just want to pray for you. Could you just slip up your hand? Wow. That's why I love pastoring this church. It's because it's a place where we can be honest about our struggles. So I want to, I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you as well. Let us help you. Call the church this week. So what what do I do? Where do I go from here? We'll do everything we can to walk with you. Let me pray with you. Sweet Jesus, I just want to pray for those folks that slipped up their hand that God are trying to do the right thing. But man, it ain't easy. Some of these folks are people that have gone through all kinds of abuse. Abuse that I'm pretty sure is unimaginable. The hurt, the pain the stuff that they've been through, God, they're struggling. 
I don't want to just stand up here and get some kind of lofty words. Lord, I want to be able to, to breathe hope from the truth of your word. God, we have to rely on you to help us to do what only you can do. So I pray, Lord, that, that today will just be the starting place. It'll be the beginning point for a lot of people as they, as they reach out maybe this week to call the church office, you know, to set up a, an appointment to talk with the pastor, Lord, to follow through with Celebrate Recovery or whatever they need to do, Lord, but they'll begin to, they'll know that it's just the beginning place. It's just a decision that's made. It's going to take some work. But nothing is impossible with you. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. Maybe here this morning you've just recognized that, you know what, you're not a follower of Jesus and what you need, you're just in need of forgiveness. You realize that you've sinned against God. That, nobody had to beat you over the head with a Bible to convince you of that. And what you feel is guilt and shame and some nastiness. Here's the great news. The Bible says that if we confess our sins to God, that He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God sent His Son. He sent His Son, Jesus, who was without sin. And He was without sin so that He could become sin for us on the cross. Wow. That's... He paid your $2 billion debt. It's a debt you couldn't pay on your own. And that's what He did on the cross. He shed His blood to pay your debt. And just so you know, He's alive. He's not dead. On the third day, he was raised from the dead. He's alive. So what you feel right now is the presence of the God of heaven, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he's speaking to you. Is that, is that not sweet? And he's whispered in your ear right now. He's telling you that he loves you. And all he wants you to do right now is for you to surrender your life to him. So if you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be, then maybe you'd pray a prayer or something like this. Maybe you'd just say, Heavenly Father, I need, I need forgiveness. And, and I hear because of what Jesus did for me, you're willing to forgive. Jesus paved the way. So I accept what Jesus did. I can't thank you enough. Wow, you paid my debt. And I know you're alive, and I'm telling you that I believe that you're alive. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin to the best of my ability. I'm surrendering my life to you thank you for your incredible love Father uh, thank you that you allow us to do what we do thank you that we're not uh, we've experienced your mercy and your grace firsthand. What a joy it is to be able to tell others about the freedom that we found, the love that we found, the mercy, the grace that we found in you. It's so easy. The message is so clear. I love you. But the truth is, I only love you because you first loved me. Lord, help us to be faithful to share that love every single day not just on Sundays to grow up and to be mature and it's in your sweet name that we pray Amen